big thank you for everyone who came out last night. We had a great fundraiser dinner, and everything went really well. Lots of people helped. Lots of thank yous to be given, but we also thank you for who came and supported our youth and enjoyed the evening. Hope you got a lot of good food and good fellowship. They did want me to make an announcement. There is still barbecue left. There's about 20 quarts. Yeah, yeah. So they're $15 a quart, and there's 20 of them left. If you would like more, just go over to the kitchen after church today, and they'll be there to help you if you'd like to take some more home with you. It's very good. All right, so about 20 of the barbecues left. Uh, In your bulletins, we have announcements for the week. Wednesday is Taco Wednesday, so come on out for Wednesday night supper. And then the youth have a mystery night on Friday starting at 6 p.m., so it's going to be a good event for us. Our dedication potluck for the Family Life Center will be next Sunday after this service in the Family Life Center, and it's a potluck, so I don't know who is being told to bring what, but I'm sure you know how to handle yourselves at a potluck, so... Uh, we have the, yes, we have the tear-off portions for visitors. Fill those out and put in the offering plate. Prayer request place for you who may have a prayer need for this week for us to pray with you in the church office. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for gathering us here together this morning for worship, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 6, starting with verse 2. 
bear one another's burdens and therefore thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load, and the one who has taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those who are of the household of the faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we gather together thanking you that you have put this body of Christ together here in Mechanicsville, that you've drawn us together as a family, and that we are called to bear one another's burdens. We are called to lift one another up, to share in each other's joys, to sorrow with each other's sorrows. And God, may we uh, never give up. May we look forward to your harvest in your time. And God, we are excited to be in your house. As we gather together today, we pray your spirit dwells and that you are welcome in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, please stand. Open your hymnals to number 426, Victory in Jesus.
75 for our responsive reading, the love of God, God the Son. I will read the lighter portion, and together with Pastor Tim, you will read the darker portion. 75, the love of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Remain standing and turn in your hymnals to number 476. Join with us. Be strong in the Lord.
seated. Let us pray. Dear God, maker of heaven and earth, giver of life, thank you for the forgiveness of sin through the grace of Jesus Christ. So all may know of that grace and your love we now give to support our church and your word around the world. Amen. The flowers in the sanctuary today are given by the family in loving memory of Bill, Babe, Brooks. Those are the ones in front of me. 
uh, in just a moment before you sing, I'm moving these flowers there because I can already tell this is what's going to happen if I don't move them. So I'm going to move them over there. But they were here for the majority of the service, okay? And then the flowers in the baptistry are given in memory of Hallie Chenault. Uh, her service was on Thursday. Hallie was 105. I think I shared that with you. She would have been 106 uh, May 26th or something uh, towards the end of May. So she was closer to 106 and she was 105. So um, we uh, grieve with those families who have lost loved ones uh, but are pleased that they uh, have given us the opportunity to enjoy these beautiful flowers uh, this morning. Uh, let's pray. Oh, Lord, as we bow before you on this day that you've given to us, we do so with great expect expectations. Recognizing, Father, that as we come before you on this day, that you have shown us the light of the world through Jesus Christ. You have given to us a hope beyond our understanding of hope. You have shown us love in a way that no other person has ever been able to do. And so we give you praise and we give you glory. We are grateful, Father, for this church and for the opportunity of coming together to worship and to study your word and to learn and be challenged, Father, to go and to tell, to be about the ministries of our Lord and Savior in the community in which we live and even around the world. We are grateful for the faithfulness of your people. And pray, Father, that you would encourage each of us to find your will for our lives. For those, Father, who are ill, we lift them before you. We give thanks for those who have found healing. We pray for the continued strength of those who are suffering. And yet we seek your will. But we pray for healing. We pray, Father, for those who have lost loved ones. We're grateful, Father, for the contribution of so many to this congregation through the years, and we grieve their loss. We're thankful, Father, that they gave of their selves so that we could have this place to come to even on this day. For their vision, Father, we reap the reward. We pray, Father, that you would draw near and bring comfort to those in grief. We're grateful, Father, for our missionaries and their work here and around the world. And we lift them to you because we know, Father, there are places that they go that we are unable to go. And yes, unwilling to go. But they go out of a sense of call. And so we pray for them. And ask that you protect them and guide them as they share the love of Christ. We pray, Father, for our nation. We pray, Father, for those who lead us and we pray for their wisdom that they would do the right thing. We're thankful that we live in a nation where we are free to worship. Help us, Father, to never take that freedom for granted. We're grateful, Father, for everyone who has served our nation in the military and for those who are serving today. We pray for their protection as they defend freedom around the world. We are grateful, Father, for your word and for its power in our lives. 
for the hope that it brings to us, for the challenges it has before us. May we listen for your word as we seek to serve you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Walk a 
Next Sunday, we will celebrate the rededication of our Family Life Center uh, in both services. And then following this service, we will have a covered dish luncheon in the Fellowship Hall. I want to make sure we're clear about that. It will be front page news this week in the newsletter. We just had other things that we were dealing with. But it is covered dish. That means you put something in the dish and cover it, okay? (laughs) And then we're going to furnish... uh, the chicken like we normally would do or whatever they decide ham or but we do depend on you to bring things uh, for this time and what better way to celebrate the rededication of the building than by uh, having a meal in it and uh, we had a good time last night with the youth and their luau and uh, enjoyed that very much and we use that facility so much and uh, enjoy it so much we certainly do want to rededicate it to the Lord and uh, celebrate the fact that we were able to accomplish that and complete that task. Um, Also, we um, are working on a church directory, and you will be hearing more about that in in the next few weeks. Uh, Let me tell you a couple of things. If you go online to sign up, and many in this service won't, I know, uh, you're only going to find certain times that they've given for online. Thursday is an overflow day, so don't try to sign up on Thursday. Friday and Saturday are the dates, the first weekend in May. Um, There will be someone, Barbara Jackson or others, to sign you up at the conclusion of the services in April, later in April. So I wanted to make sure that you were aware of that. So don't, you know, the process will happen, so don't get ahead of the process Uh, But let me uh, encourage you to have your picture made. This is something a lot of people have asked for. We've done one since I was here, and it was in-house. And I've been here almost eight years, and that was done in the first year I was here. So it's time to redo one. But the company that we're using is an outside company this time. And uh, they require, if you get a, you will get your directory free, but your picture has got to be in the directory in order to receive the directory. That's how they... They market. Am I right, Barbara? I want to make sure I'm hitting all the highlights on this to uh, make sure that uh, you are aware of what's going on. You do get a free picture uh, uh, at uh, when you have your picture made as well. Of course, you have to order it, but you will get a free picture at that time. So please participate. 
uh, wear what I told him in the first service, wear what you choose to wear, but remember, we all have to look at it for several years. So uh, choose wisely, uh, but I know you will do fine. You've done these many times before, and they are a handy tool, and we've had a lot of changes in the last eight years, and we certainly do want to uh, update uh, the book, so keep that in mind. Then the following Sunday, after April 2nd, let me go back to that, April 9th is Palm Sunday, and Dwight will be preaching on that particular Sunday. Janet and I are going to see her parents in Tennessee, so we're leaving on Saturday, and we'll be back later in the week. So um, be in prayer for Dwight. That'll be his first time to preach for us. Uh, And so he will do that on the 9th, and then the 16th is Easter Sunday morning. So uh, we have a lot to look forward to as April rolls around. And uh, I wanted to make those announcements while you were sitting and not standing at the end because I thought they were that important that you needed to know what was going on. But the directory, will, it will all happen. I just don't want you to feel like you've got to know everything right now. It will all be given to you as the time goes along for you to sign up and so forth. And that's coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, but remember, next Sunday, I hope that we all come together to rededicate our facility uh, to the glory of God. Our scripture this morning is found in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34, and verses 54 through 62. So we begin reading at verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And then verse 54 through 62. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out. And wept bitterly. A farmer sitting on the steps of a tumble-down shack was approached by a stranger who stopped for a drink of water. How's your wheat coming along, asked the stranger. Didn't plant none. Really, I thought this was good wheat country, afraid it wouldn't rain. Well, how is your corn crop? Ain't got none, afraid of corn blight. The stranger, confused but persevering, continued, Well, sir, how are your potatoes? Didn't plant no potatoes either, afraid of potato bugs. For Pete's sake, man, the stranger asked, what did you plant? Nothing, said the farmer, I just played it safe. Fear 
kept him from taking a risk. And as a result, he lost out. When we see apparently strong Christian, a strong Christian face a spiritual defeat, we tend to think, I would have expected that to happen to anyone but him. Peter's denial, while keeping warm at the enemy's fire, creates a similar surprise. Peter was a strong individual, a great leader, and a dynamic Christian. Peter's denial follows immediately on the notice of Jesus' arrest and detention in the house of the high priest. Whatever our judgment of Peter, we must remember that he at least had the resolve to follow Jesus, although at a distance. The Passover occurred sometime between March and April, at which time the nights were still cold on occasions. Because of this, they kindled a fire. We are not told how the maid identified Peter as one of Jesus' companions. Caught in the glare of the spotlight that her accusation throws on him, Peter's courage drains away. He denies any acquaintance with Jesus. One scholar wrote, It was not Pilate, nor any of the Sanhedrin, nor a mob of soldiers, but a single waiting maid who frightened the self-confident apostle into denying his master. But this is really unfair. Probably his weakness can better be explained as that of a disillusioned man whose dreams lie in ruins about him. Rather than being led by Jesus to conquest, it appears more likely that he will be the victim of fast-moving events that have turned hope into despair. To die when there is hope for victory is one thing. But to die for a lost cause, quite another. You see, Peter was still under the impression that Jesus was a Messiah who would overthrow their enemies at the time. Peter was under the impression that Jesus would overthrow the Roman Empire, or Roman rule at least, in the region in which they lived. And so when Jesus came to that hour when he was about to be put to death, Peter could not understand all that Jesus had said. And so he was without hope, and because he was without hope and in despair, he denied ever knowing who Jesus was. We look at this story and we think, how could he do such a thing? But when we dig a little deeper, we see that Peter is not that much different than the rest of us. He dealt with the same anxieties and fears that all human beings deal with. And because he dealt with them in the presence of the Lord at this very difficult time, he didn't quite know how to process all that was taking place. The one thing he liked most of all is what we like today too, and that is trust in Jesus. You see, Jesus had told them time and time again what was to happen, what was to occur, how he was to really be led before these who would accuse him and eventually put him to death. But And putting him to death, he would save many lives because he would rise again. Peter could not or could not see the truth related to this reality that Jesus was expressing to him. And because of his lack of trust, he was stumped up by a maidservant. 
But let's look at Peter and see what we can see in our own lives as we reflect on Peter's life in relationship to this event. First, we know that Peter was a person of strength. Jesus had prayed for Peter, who will be the instrument used to strengthen the other disciples. Faith is the kind of commitment to Christ that makes one acknowledge him publicly when it is costly to do so. He needed faith. Jesus knew that Peter's faith was not what it should be. And Peter's faith really was not what it should be until following the resurrection. We see very clearly here, though, some characteristics of Peter. First, we know that Peter had strength of leadership. Whenever the disciples are listed, Peter's name comes first, reflecting the disciples' view of his leadership. Peter was one of the inner circle of disciples, privileged to share in special experience with Jesus, such as the transfiguration. On the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who stood and preached. Peter was a leader. Peter also had strength of spirit. Peter had no timid spirit. He was a bold spiritual adventurer. We know what he tried to do, don't we? Once he tried to walk on water. And later he ran to the tomb of Jesus. Peter's denial will be only a temporary episode. He will turn again, renew his commitment to follow Jesus. He will be the first of the twelve to be confronted by the risen Lord and to grasp the fact of the resurrection. Then he will be able to help those who labor under the doubt caused by the crucifixion. The role of Peter as the leader of the early Christian community is attested by this text. We also know that Peter had strength of body. As a fisherman, we can ascertain that Peter had developed his muscles by rowing boats and casting heavy nets for fish. He showed his physical strength in the garden, didn't he? When he was strong enough to try to take on the entire mob that had come to arrest Jesus. In spite of all these qualities, Peter denied the Lord. Paul warns us of such denial in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when he says, If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You see, sometimes our very arrogance stands in the way of our faith in the Lord. No Christian is immune from the flaming arrows of the evil one as we find in Ephesians chapter 6. And Peter also was vulnerable to sin. Sifting as we read in the first verse that we looked at, describes the process of testing by which the genuine is separated from the false, the good from the bad. You is plural, referring to all the disciples, for the loyalty of all will be put to the test by the events of the night. And Jesus warned Peter that Satan had wanted to sift him, to see what was real and what was not. Over against the demands of Satan are placed the prayers of Jesus for his own. Jesus is their advocate when Satan is their accuser. From this we should not get a distorted idea of a neutral or distant God influenced on the one hand by the demands of Satan and on the other hand by the prayers of Jesus. The Christian view of God is that he was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 
To say that Christ is for the people who are weak and sinful is to say that God does not abandon them in their hour of need. Jesus knew that there would be obstacles to overcome. He knew that there would be a lack of faith and a lack of trust. And he pointed that out very clearly in his encounter with Peter. You see, Peter was blind to his weakness. But Peter was a typical human being. He had strengths and weaknesses, but he seemed to be blind to his weaknesses. For Peter confidently told the Lord in verse 33 of Luke 22, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. It's easy to say when you're not in the fire. This was a noble expression and a wonderful assurance apparently uttered in ignorance of his fleshly potential for succumbing to sin's temptation. Victor Hugo wrote, I feel two men struggling within me. The Apostle Paul also had a realistic view of the tension between good and evil that rages in every soul. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Paul was desperate for an understanding of how he could overcome himself. Jesus knew Peter's personality. He knew more than his personality. He knew his heart and he knew what his breaking point was. And he knows ours. Satan attacks the vulnerable spot in our life. Jesus warned Peter of Satan's impending attack. Satan has to sift you as wheat. The evil one caught the strong disciple in a vulnerable moment, surrounded by the enemy and separated from the other disciples. He will sift us until he finds the most vulnerable place at which to hurl his temptation. Where we're ready for Satan is not where he will strike. It's where we're not ready that he will strike our lives. Where we feel the strongest is not the place where he will attack. He will find the weakness in our lives and amplify that so that we will be put in a position to yield to temptation. The weak spot of our life, whatever it may be, is where Jesus can come in too. Jesus can come in and strengthen our weaknesses as we put our trust in him. When we look at this story, can't you see very clearly that the problem was lack of trust in Jesus' word? We all struggle with that reality in our lives. We allow the events and happenings that are, that are around us determine what we will and will not do in relationship to Christ. And Peter did the same thing. As he warmed himself by the enemy's fire, he came to that crossroads in his walk with Jesus. And when push came to shove, he denied it. 
our struggle, you see, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus taught us to pray for deliverance from the evil one. We say with Paul, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But Peter also was under pressure to conform. Richard Armstrong and Edward Watkin tell the story of a biologist's experiment with processional caterpillars. On the rim of a clay pot that held a plant, he lined them up so that the leader was head-to-head with the last caterpillar. The tiny creatures circled the rim of the pot for a full week. Not once did any one of them break away to go over to the plant and eat. Eventually, all caterpillars died from exhaustion and starvation just by following one after the other. The story of the processional caterpillars is a kind of parable of human behavior. People are reluctant to break away from the rhythmic pattern of daily life. They don't want to be different. We must break away from the crowd, however, if we are to accept Jesus' invitation to go off alone with Him in prayer. Peter was under pressure to conform. What was the vulnerable spot for Peter? He let himself be guided by those around him. Is this entirely wrong? A healthy concern for what others think is an asset. But Peter went beyond this concern and allowed his actions to be molded by those around him. A dialogue between Jesus and Peter recorded in Matthew 16 illustrates this peer pressure. Jesus was talking about his coming rejection and death when Peter strongly reacted, Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. You see what was on Peter's mind that night. Peter's concept of the Messiah did not include Jesus as the suffering servant. Instead, Peter subscribed to the popular concept of the victorious Messiah conquering the Romans and reestablishing the throne of David. And what did Jesus do? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter again exhibited a tendency to reflect the prevailing social pressure on a later occasion, which Paul described in Galatians chapter 2. Before certain men came from James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Galilean or from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Peter knew the Lord was no respecter of persons, but he was afraid to resist the pressure of a strong group in the church. Peter was, re- was a strong man, but strong, not strong enough to stand against the values of immature Christians, even though they were against God. So Peter had a problem with conforming. What are we to do in the face of compromising peer pressure? Paul expresses what is pleasing to God. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
in the mid-1800s, two distinguished statesmen delivered addresses before a British university. Benjamin Disraeli said, If you would succeed, know the temper and spirit of the times in which you live and act accordingly. William Gladstone said, Do not drift with the age. Have fixed principles and stand by them. At the enemy's campfire, Peter did drift with the age and lived to regret it. Only in Luke is it recorded the poignant scene which occurs after the rooster crows. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. From where? Perhaps through a window or door overlooking the courtyard. The crowing of the rooster and the look of the Lord bring home to Peter the enormity of his deed. It was as if the wool had pulled, been pulled off of his eyes. He does not excuse himself, as he might have well done. After all, he heartily has acted more poorly than the others who had deserted the Lord. He went out, the scripture says, and wept. This is the moment when grace can begin to work. When a person is stripped of his arrogance and stands before God in need. You see, Peter needed to go through that time. Because emerging on the other side was a different Peter. One who understood the weakness of the flesh. Who understood the power of this world and the principalities in it. And he could truly trust Jesus. In the days following Jesus' resurrection, some of the disciples had breakfast with the Lord beside the Sea of Galilee as recorded in the Gospel of John. Three times. Don't miss this. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him and then told Peter he would have to suffer for him. Three times. Peter pointed to John and asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. You see, it's a personal decision. The Lord leads each of us in the way that he would want us to go. We have to be in touch with his will. The tension was still present. It was still difficult for Peter to face God's will. But he did it willingly, didn't he? Because after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, we know that Peter was bold in his proclamation of the Lord in some very difficult situations. And eventually, it cost him his earthly life, didn't it? But he had learned by that campfire to trust Jesus. History is filled with the names of people who have died reaching for power. But those who have been willing to die a redemptive kind of death are few in number. On Thursday, following the memorial service for Hallie Chenault, on my phone flashed across that 64 eastbound was closed due to a person who had been hit and killed on the road. 
So I shared with the funeral director, I said, this just came across my phone, and we're heading that way because we were going to Washington Memorial Park. And he said, I know the deputy has been in and informed me we're going a different way. Well, we really did go a different way. It took us about 45 minutes to make that 20-minute trip because we had to meander uh, through the countryside and across the river, and uh, we ended up going all the way through Highland Springs. The long way. I don't mean north, south, east, west. Made our way finally, and if I hadn't been following the leader, I would have never found it. And eventually we came out at Washington Memorial Cemetery and we made a left in instead of a right like you normally would make and I thought about that in relationship to life and this sermon and so forth and and uh, here's what I concluded as I drove along I saw things I hadn't seen before I saw situations and circumstances in different places that I had never been to in the eight years I've been here and uh, saw how people lived in various communities and down by the airport and the uh, security fence around the airport and all that. And then finally we came out to where we were supposed to be. But that's much like life, isn't it? We have something planned out in our mind that's going to occur and we know exactly how we're going to do it and where it's going to take place and when we will get there and all the things that are in making those preparations only to have our plans nixed by something that happens in our lives, either tragedy or triumph or illness or death or all those things that occur in life. And what we have to learn to do as we make that journey is just enjoy the journey because the journey is part of the life. Peter's journey took him down a detour on that night by the fire. A place that he never thought he was going to go. And yet he did. But the joy of that relationship with Jesus Christ was, and still is, that Jesus always trumps our misfortunes, our sins, our shortcomings with his grace. Peter's trust may have wavered at that time, but Jesus' faith in Peter never did. The same crucial question that confronted Peter confronts us as well. What will you do with Christ? You can't pass the decision off to someone else. You must decide. The pressure of others offers convenient options. The warmth of the enemy's fire is always appealing. But may the Lord hear us say, Yes, I know Jesus. Yes, I know Jesus. For He is my Lord. Shall we pray? Father, as we make our journey to the cross, we do so reflecting on our lives and our relationship to you. May we, Father, always trust you. Trust your word. Trust the truth 
even when it takes us places we never thought we would go. Help us, Father, to search our hearts so that we might find our way to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 305, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Peter had a decision to make by the fire that night. At that time, he didn't make the right decision. But later he did. He decided. And we must decide as well. Will you stand as we sing? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turn. When we had missions emphasis Sunday a few weeks ago, uh, we had a display up here, and somebody left their elephant. So if this is your elephant, he's probably hungry, because he's been up here for two or three weeks. But just a reminder that uh, if it's your elephant, take him to the barn. So uh, anyway, what a joy it is to be together in the house of the Lord. I'm grateful that you've been here today. I look forward to next Sunday as we come together to celebrate. Uh, and I know that you do as well. Thank you for being a part of this service today. Let's bow for benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day, we do so asking that we be not the people that conform to the world, but that we transform ourselves as you have transformed us with the power of the gospel. Thank you for your grace. 
May we share your grace with the world around us so that others might see 